Wonderful name is what a wonderful name it is. The name. 
I pray you've had a good week. We've had some pretty weather through the week and, and on the heels of our Sunday service. And I thank the Lord for that. I pray that much of you are, are doing well with your families and spending time together. I pass through sometimes. I'll see families outside with little kids and playing in the yard and just spending family time together. I'm thankful for that. I feel a very strong direction from the Lord uh, today. I, I feel a very clear uh, unction of the Lord. Uh, as I said, he's been dealing with me for several days uh, about this scripture. And uh, I really feel it's going to be an encouragement to somebody and a help uh, to them. Uh, and again, I said this on Wednesday. Uh, it, it's not a matter of, I know right now we are measuring everything by our current situations. We're measuring it by, I guess you'd say our point of reference is uh, this virus or corona, whatever they're, they're calling it now. Uh, so we measure everything based upon that. But uh, today, I, I don't want you to measure it based upon that. I, I want us to try to see the bigger picture. God is doing a tremendous work in the earth. I believe that. I believe that there there's a work that has left that is left to be done here in the earth. I, I pray the coming of the Lord, and I know that scripture, we're, we're always looking for his coming. Uh, but now at this particular point, uh, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord, but yet I'm also looking for the current job at hand. What is it that the Lord is asking us to do? What is it that the Lord is wanting us to do? And preparing our hearts and our minds for the current a job and task that is at hand. That's today's message. I feel uh, it's going to help us understand maybe some of the things that we are uh, maybe going to be dealing with in preparation for the harvest that God is going to bring us here at Indian Village and our church family. I'm believing that there's a great harvest that God's going to give us. And we have yet to see what God has and what God is going to do for all of us. I want you to remember just a couple quick announcements. Remember, Save Our Children offering. We take that up. Uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, many of you have already given uh, to that, but uh, if you have not, please remember uh, the Save Our Children offering. We'll need to be getting that in uh, as far as Sunday school departments, and uh, please remember to do that. I think that's that's pretty much about it. I'm, I'm anxious to get into the Word of the Lord. First Samuel chapter <clears throat> 17, and I'm going to start with verse 12. First Samuel chapter 17. And verse 12. Now David, the son of that Ephraimite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Elab, the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephahah of, of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp 
to thy brethren. I want you to go back to verse 15 and verse 16, and this is where I, I felt to, to kind of take the, the text or where the thought derived from. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine, speaking of Goliath, drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. One translation uh, or commentary speaks of it like this. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. In the meantime, the Philistine drew near. In the meantime. And I want to, again, preach. Uh, I'm, I'm reluctant here because of, again, the uniqueness. I don't have a mic or things of that nature. But I really want to talk to somebody here today in the Holy Ghost about the meantime. In the meantime. Jesus, I ask you today to help us, lead us, guide us. God, let your word penetrate the heart and the mind. Let it absolve. Let it, let it release. Let it do something in the spirit that can only be done through your word. That God, I'm just a man delivering what you've given. But I ask you today, let it be delivered in such a way that an unction of your spirit penetrates the heart, the mind, the thinking. God, the strongholds that all of us face in our day-to-day -day life. I ask you today, in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In the meanwhile, what, what rang so powerful to me uh, in these particular verses that I read to you was here you have David that is the youngest and, and, and going through the day-to-day -day activities. But you've got an enemy that came over and over and was relentless in his taunts and his accusations and his words that he railed against the children of Israel with. And it was in this meanwhile that though it looked like the enemy was getting by, God was preparing a man. God was preparing an individual. God was preparing, in this case, David. Someone that could come to the forefront of the battle. And with no fear or no reluctancy, no hesitation, but would come to the forefront and say, I'm weary with Goliath's taunts. I'm tired of every day I wake up and every time I lay my head down in the evening and I hear him over and over and over again. Somebody rise to the occasion, in this case it was David, and shut the giant's mouth. You see, to understand what it's like to be in the meanwhile, you've got to understand the preparation You've got to, in essence, see both worlds. You've got to see the preparation that's going into a David. But you've got to also see the relentless, the, the unwavering attack of the enemy against the people of God. Folks, we're in a battle. We're in a battle that, that's not called, we call it maybe, a, and again, I'm so careful with this, Corona. But, but before Corona, we were in a battle. In Corona, we're in a battle. After Corona, we're going to be in a battle. 
whether it's corona or whether it's the swine flu or whether it's the economy or whether it's this or that or the other, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. There's always going to be an opposing force against you and I and the church. There's always going to be opposition that you and I are going to face. There's always going to be a relentless attack of the enemy against your family, against your home, against your mind, against your, your faith, your, everything that's connected to you as a child of God. There's going to be an attack against that. If you understand you're a threat, that's the reason why. The enemy's not afraid of people that aren't going to do anything. He's only afraid of people that's got potential. He's afraid of people that, that he knows if they ever get their footing, if they ever end up becoming what God has for them, then they're going to wreak havoc on his kingdom. You see, that's why you're a target. That's why the enemy comes against your family. That's why he comes against our home. That's why he comes against the things that, that are sacred to God. Because he knows if those people ever get their footing, if they ever get their strength, if they ever realize. <laughs> well, you see, the purpose of the meanwhile is trying to get you and I to realize there ain't nobody left to fight the battle. It's up to you and I. You see, David's story, I, 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 you heard me say this, our church family here at Indian Village will remember me making this comment uh, frequently when I talk about David and others, but David, one of my most favorite characters in the Bible. I can identify with David because David to me was a man's man. David was one that understood the, the challenges of life. But what I love about David is David never gave up. David always overcame no matter what. David wasn't afraid to run from a battle. David was uh, uh, timid in his approach to the things of God. He may have been humble in his spirit, but yet he was a raging lion for the things of God and the purpose of God. See, that's what made David to me so special. David on some days might have been just an average fellow. A man that was kind, a man that was humble, a man that you would look at by visible appearances that he really didn't have a whole lot of battle attire that he would carry with him. I can think of people that I've grown up with, you know, growing up with younger people uh, in my school days or, or high school days. There was always that one you could kind of look at and say, boy, he's a tough old bird. And I know some other people now in their adulthood, I still say that, that's a tough old bird. You know, they, 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 their hands are maybe gnarled, their hands are callous, their even countenance sometimes is hard from the hard labors. They're just tough and they're individuals that, that, that would never cower to a natural battle. Well, David wasn't that way. David tended sheep. David wasn't a carpenter. David didn't maybe have calloused hands. David maybe didn't know what it was like to hold a hammer or a chisel and work with the hard things of the hand. He was one that tended to sheep. He was a shepherd. His heart and demeanor was that of a gentle nature, that of a, a, of a kind and humble personality. Those are the, the traits that to me leap out of Scripture about David. He wrote much of the Psalms and you read much of that. It's David saying how much he loved the Lord and he was free to express his emotions. He was free to express these things. So there was a part about David that if you looked at him, he wasn't a warrior. He wasn't a man that I would say, hey, I want him. 
school and we'd pick uh, teammates to be on a, a certain um, team that we were playing or uh, it'd be kickball or whatever it was in school. But you always would pick the one that's the tallest or one that's the strongest or one that, that could kick the furthest because you knew David didn't have none of that. David didn't have a history that I could find before this text. Speaking of a warrior. But here's what David did have. David had a heart that he didn't run from a battle when it came to the things of God. David did not run from things that matter to God. I, I wonder what would happen to our families and our homes if, if we would fight more for the things of God instead of the things for ourselves. I got to fight to keep up with the Joneses. I got to fight to keep up with this one. I, I got I to fight to try to make ends meet. I remember something in the Bible that said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. It's telling me if I fight and seek, for the things of God. He said I have a way of adding to you. Everything you need. If you put me first. See these are meanwhile battles. That you and I face. And it looks like. There's no point to this. We're never going to turn. It's never going to make a difference. I'm never going to see revival in my home. I'm never going to see my son and daughter pray through. I'm telling somebody. You're in the meanwhile. And every time you're in the meanwhile, you might not have the attributes of a warrior on the natural. You might not know how to pray very good. You might not know how to operate in the things of the Spirit. You might not know maybe how to understand. Or maybe you read the Word of God and it doesn't maybe make sense to you at first. And you've got to really work at it to try to get an understanding to it. You're in the meanwhile. Don't give up now. Don't stop now. Because there's an enemy out there from the rising of the sun to the going down of that sun. He's constantly railing on the people of God saying there's nobody that can defeat me. I'm telling this church and anybody that's under the sound of my voice, you're in the meanwhile. Let God do what He wants to do. You could be the man or the woman of God that defeats this enemy. You could be the one that has no last name that's in billboards. Or maybe, maybe you're the one that you may be of not a higher social class or economical class. Or maybe you are of a high class and maybe God's no respecter of persons. Does it matter how far of the spectrum, whatever in your own, what matters is? What do you do in the meanwhile? What do you do every time you bring the bread to the battlefield like David and you hear the talks of the enemy? Is there something that rises up in your spirit and in your heart that says, I'm about done with this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of hearing him rail on the people of God. Somebody needs to stand to attention. Somebody needs to stand to attention. See, we're fighting against the meanwhile. We're fighting against these things. God allowed you to hear the battle. He allowed you to hear the, the attack. What the enemy's saying to the children of Israel. You're looking at your qualifications. You're saying, well, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not qualified for that. I didn't go to Bible school. I, I didn't have some theological seminary training. God ain't looking at how 
much training you have. He's looking at your ability to look at the things of God and say they're worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for. David didn't have the natural that he would have got picked on the local. He wasn't the first pick on the, the team. Uh, maybe I got enough brother you and in me. I go down these little stories maybe too deep. But I can't help but think when David's a boy and all the boys. David was number eight of the boys. The sons of Jesse. He was number eight. And all the boys are playing. And David ain't picked. Because he's the ruddy red. He's that one that just kind of. He's too, he's a pretty boy. He had a good countenance. He, 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 he don't understand what it's like. We're, we're men, the, the other seven brothers. We, we know how to fight. We know how to, to, to rough and rough house and wrestle. and We know how to do all that. But you see, here's what they couldn't see. David was in the meanwhile. And God wasn't looking at those tussling amongst themselves. He had a boy over here on the backside that wasn't invited to the tussling and was probably disqualified and overlooked by all the brothers as he don't have nothing in tech. He don't have anything that would be of value to be a warrior. But all along on the backside of that hill, David's in the meanwhile preparing and working and seeking God because you see, God's not looking at the little natural tussles I do today. He's looking at the overall picture and the heart that says, that boy right there, he cares about my kingdom. He cares about the things of God. He cares about the purpose of God. And to that individual, heaven will turn and look to them. To so much that God would say, I found me a man. Why didn't he pick the other seven? They were warriors because God's not looking. Why didn't he pick the Saul that was head and shoulders above it all? Because God's not looking at that. He's looking at what you do in the meanwhile. David's battle, I, I give this for thought today. David defeated Goliath long before he ever got there in his mind. Now let me explain that. David didn't know about Goliath, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is David battled some things on the backside of that hill that prepared him when he got to that Goliath. And David had done battle so many things. Here's the, here's the plausible conclusion. Where were the seven brothers that could do all the, that were head and shoulders picked by Saul, part of Saul's army? Where were they? I tell you where they were. They never fought some of the things David fought in the meanwhile on the backside of that hill. They weren't prepared for it. I'm preaching to somebody here today that you've been in the meanwhile a long time. You feel disqualified. You feel like you can't do the job. You feel like you can't get it done. You feel like, and everybody else, there's far more people more qualified. There's far more people that can do this. I'm here to tell you God's looking at you. God's looking at me. People that might not have the stature that would say we're head and shoulders above everybody else. We might not have the demeanor of maybe a, what you would call or what you and I have an image of, a prayer warrior. But see, this is what you don't understand. On the backside of a hill, 
in a place called a meanwhile. There was a building and there was a making and there was a molding and there was a shaping. That there was coming a day that David was going to go to that battlefield where there was a real Goliath. And it wasn't going to be nothing for David to fight him. And David's going to bring what he ever what he brought to them brothers that what he did many times probably before. I don't know. But this time it was different. Because if you read the rest of that, David goes back and the taunts stay. But when David comes back the next time, something in David says, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not going to let this go by anymore. How many things you think David wanted to fight for the injustices in his life? You don't think he thought it was unfair? The fact that he was the eighth. Uh, and, and, and when Samuel showed up at David's house for the sacrifice with Samuel, he wasn't even invited to the party. You think David didn't suffer things in his mind, rejection and obscurity, fear? Many of the things you and I fight in the meanwhile is nothing more than preparation for the actual day of battle. And David didn't have the demeanor. He didn't have the statue. When you looked at him with the stature, that when you would look at him, he didn't have that. But you see, David had something that I want so desperately in my heart. I might not be the best preacher. I might not be the politically correct and and, and you might not be the, the, the stereotypical saint. But you know what? It's okay. I don't have to fit into somebody else's mold. And you don't need to fit into anybody else's mold. You need to fit in the mold that God's called you to be. Fit into what God's called you to be. Don't try to fit into somebody else's mold. I'm not trying to be another Brother Ewing. I'm not trying to be a Billy Cole. I'm not trying to be a brother whoever our great heroes of faith that I love and admire and respect so greatly. I want to be who God wants me to be because here's why. There's a battle that's raging in this end time and Brother Ewan's not here and Brother Cole's not here and it's going to take somebody that recognizes I'm in the meanwhile. I don't understand why I went through what I went through but it's making a little bit more sense today because I'm hearing the enemy torment people. I'm hearing the enemy come against families. I'm hearing him get up early in the morning and rail his accusations out to the children of Israel. Send me a man. Send me somebody that can defeat me. I'm here to declare you, you can be that somebody. I could be that somebody. This church could be that somebody that defeats the enemy in the end time and defeats a Goliath that doesn't... We don't have to lose another family. We don't have to lose another son and daughter. We don't have to lose another church. We don't have to lose another preacher. If we could just understand, your enemy is not going to give up. He's never going to go away. And the sooner you and I understand, you're a target. If you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, you're a target. You're a target because here's the thing about being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You're in covenant with God. As I preached on Easter Sunday, preached the gospel message and the hope. That message is what puts you in covenant with God. 
And the beautiful thing about being in a covenant, when you go down in the name of Jesus and you're buried in baptism, you, God is the greater party of that covenant. And God, now when you cannot, God steps in. That's the beautiful thing about being in covenant with God. I'm not in covenant with, with some natural means because then it's just equal. It's me and something natural. But when you go baptize, when you're baptized in Jesus' name and you go down in that water, you get in covenant with God. God, the greater party. Basically, God steps up and starts fighting your battles for you when you can't fight them, fight them yourself. David understood the power of covenant. And he understood that there's always going to be a battle because I'm a covenant kid. I'm in covenant with God. There's always going to be an intensity. It's kind of like the old boy saying, you know, when life gives you a bunch of lemons, you might as well just make some lemonade out of it. You need to take the bad things out of life, the bitter things out of life, and look at it and say, I'm going to take this and turn it for the good. And that's what David did in the meanwhile. He didn't let his rejection by his brothers cast him out. He didn't let the rejection by even the priest Samuel coming to the house at first. He didn't let any of those things. Samuel... Didn't proverbially reject him. But Samuel shows up to the party first with the, the family of Jesse. And David's not there. Samuel had to go through the line and say, is there not anybody else? Then Samuel called. See, there's a benefit in the meanwhile. God's working some things in me and you. Where there's a lack of courage, courage is growing. Where there's a boldness, boldness is growing. That's why when you think of these adversities that you and I face in life, you and I ought to look at it and say, you know what, God, you, you sent this to mold me. You sent this to make me. You allowed this to come into my life to make me a better person, a better Christian, and, and to become more like you folks. I've said it before. Matter of fact, I think I said this Wednesday, maybe even last Sunday. I'm going to say it again. The reason you and I live for God is to become like him. And if you and I aren't forwardly progressing to become like him, I begin to talk like him, then our Christianity's in vain. If we've got the banner of Christianity, but I'm still drinking Jack Daniels, my Christianity's in vain. If I've got the banner of Christianity, but I'm still drinking these things or doing these things, my Christianity's in vain. I'm not talking about mistakes, but I'm talking about a lifestyle that's unchanged over many, 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 many years. I'm supposed to become like him. When I have an encounter like him or with him, something in me changes. David had encounters with God on the backside before he ever got to the battlefield of Goliath. And what I felt so strong as a word for you and for me is this. We've been in the meanwhile and God's been preparing us. And the enemy's been railing his accusations from the rising of the sun to the setting of that same sun. Saying there's not a man that will fight me. I'm here to declare there is a man. There is a church. There is a woman that will stand in the forefront and have a battle with an enemy for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. That's why I'm preaching here to an enemy, uh, an empty church. I'm not doing it because I can. I have to. I could be laid up and enjoying it at home, but this is for the kingdom. This is for the people. This is for us together. Because just as much as I'm preaching to you through a video, I'm preaching to myself. 
I've got to shake myself, tie my bootstraps up and say, what is it that keeps saying we can't have revival? I defy you in the name of the Lord. In the midst of a pandemic, pandemic, however you want to say it, epidemic, it's just a demic. In the midst of literally everything shut down. So I said, this, this message isn't just for this, it's when we come out. And we're coming out. That's a fact. The Lord don't come before and He tarries, we're coming out. But when you come out, if Goliath for you is the corona, let me tell you, when the corona goes away, there's going to be another Goliath. It'll be hopelessness. It'll be fear. It'll be your backslidden son or daughter. Will they ever come to God? See, that's your Goliath. And from the time you wake up in the morning, I wish somebody right now would let your mind be honest right now. You know you're tormented. You get up in the morning and you're worried about your mama. You're worried about your daddy. You're worried about your son, your daughter. You're worried about this. I'm worried about our church. I'm worried about our community. From the time I rise up in the morning. And it's like that thing's just talking. Just he, he, uh, constant mouth over and over saying, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You're never going to see that backside or walk in that back door. And, and, and I wake up with it on my mind. And I go to sleep with it on my mind. And for 40 days, give or take, he kept going. Listen, he's never going to give up. So why do we? He's never going to stop. And if you give, see, that was the battle with David. David knew when he was taking care of those sheep, they weren't even his sheep. That was Jesse's sheep. That was his daddy's sheep. But it shows you how serious David took his job. This ain't even my sheep. It's kind of like me. Indian village is not my sheep. It's God's sheep. I'm just the under shepherd. But when he looks at somebody and says, I'm going to take it seriously. It's that one that, that the enemy says, oh, you better watch out. I done found me now somebody. See, Goliath didn't know what was coming. And just like this world does not know what's coming. It's going to be a church that's going to rise to the occasion. It's going to be a church in Indian Village that's going to rise to the occasion and say, you can live godly. You don't have to live immoral. You can live godly. You can live holy. You can live according to the Word of God. And there's joy and there's blessing in that. God is going to find a church in Indian Village. And when it rises to the occasion, and it is rising to the occasion, we are rising. To the, I get phone calls from people all week long in this church saying, Brother Benoit, we're going to fight this thing. We're going to beat this thing. We're going to come out stronger on the other side. We're going to see backsiders and sons and daughters coming into the house of God. We're in the end time. And the battle is going to get more intense. And all it would take is one David in the meanwhile to realize the battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. And if I just don't give up. See, the enemy, his only thing he's got is his mouth. Because if you remember what Lucifer was in heaven, he was a music leader. I've said this so many times, but it's such a powerful truth. I wish somebody would just let it sink in your mind. The only weapon he's got is his mouth. He can entice you. The Bible says that he comes 
and we're drawn away by our own lust. He comes and tries to draw us away with his mouth. He tries to, what did he do with Eve in the garden? He put the bait and then he came a talking. There's always going to be bait. There's always going to be a back door for you and I to give up. There's always going to be a back door or a front door. There's always going to be a door for you to walk out of. Any building's got a door. You can walk out on God anytime you want. And that's just what the enemy's banking on you doing. But here's what he's not. See, this is what threw him off. David was what he was not seeing. He didn't see a David coming. He didn't see a young man that, that was ruddy and, and didn't have the warrior look. He didn't see it coming. That's what I'm trying to show you and I. He ain't seeing what you and I are about to do. We're about to come up out of the dust and begin to pray. We're going to begin to pray like we never prayed before. Our prayer's going to change. Our faithfulness to the house of God's going to change. Our worship's going to change in Indian Village. We're going to come to God. We're going to have to start putting maybe uh, some banners around here where people uh, catch a flag because people are going to be running and worshiping and praising God. Why? Because the enemy don't know what's coming. There's a church rising up in Indian Village that's going to wreak havoc on the kingdom of the enemy. I want to be a part of that. I hope you feel the same way. I want to be a part of that because the enemy don't know what's coming. God's got us here. I told you the other night, I used this illustration a couple months ago about the handkerchief, and I pulled out that mic stand, and I said we've been hidden, and before long, God's going, in God's time, see, because the meanwhile is this, David had to keep doing what he had to do. He had sheep to take care of. That's why you and I need to keep doing what we know. I don't care how boring it is. I don't care. What, I, I, my prayer is dead. Keep praying. Am I reading the Word of God? I don't know. If you're doing the daily Bible reading, I, I ain't got nothing out of it. If you've even fallen behind, it's okay. Pick it up again. Don't just quit and stop because you got behind or because you haven't prayed in three or four days. Don't You're in the meanwhile. Just pick it back up again. Pray again. Read it again because here's, the, here's what's going to happen. There's a Goliath that's taunting and there's a Goliath that won't show up, shut up. But in the meanwhile, God's going to say, okay, boy, it's time for you to come out from the, the behind the scenes. You don't think David looked at his brothers and said, man, I wish I could be like you boys. I wish I could fight like you. I wish I could. I wish I looked like the warrior that you guys look like. God wasn't looking for that. He wasn't looking how, how heavy his armor was. You realize that Goliath, I, I studied this some time back. His, he was like nine feet tall. His, all of his armor together. The, 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 the spear, uh, the stick, the, the, the spearhead, his, his whole, uh, I forget exactly the words, you can read in the same chapter, weighed like 237 pounds. The average armor was 60 pounds. And you got a boy that walks up to the battle a few verses later after this and says, I don't need none of that. I got God. I got God. Now, you and I in the New Testament, we've got armor. I got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, my loins girded with truth, my feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I've got an armor in the spirit. See, David didn't even need any of that because he knew how his. How much more should you and I trust God with the armor that we've got in the spirit? I've got the shield of faith that'll quench every fiery dart of the wicked. I've got a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that I can use in any battle. David's 
stood up with nothing except a slingshot and five stones and said, I tell you what, I've got enough in me and my trust in God that nothing could ever stop me. And where the enemy has gone in day in and day out and never shuts up. I hope somebody's hearing me right now. Your enemy never shuts up. He tells you every day it's never going to happen. He tells you every day what you're never going to be. He tells you and reminds you of your past every day. He tells you how unqualified you are. Let me serve notice today. You're in the meanwhile. Hang on. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. tactic of the enemy does not change. He uses his mouth. He used it in the garden half God said. And he's using it now with David. David, it says, when he returned, he went to Saul and then he returned back to his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And then the translators inserted in the meantime. The Philistine drew near in the morning and in the evening. So while David's on the backside going back, just like many of us, we come to church and we leave with our promises unfulfilled. And we go home and we wake up on Monday mornings or we wake up on Thursday mornings after a good Sunday service. But when is it going to change at this time when you wake up Monday morning after a great Sunday service of shouting and running all over this place and we praising God, your meanwhile may be over and you'll get up on Monday morning and something in your gut's going to burn and say, I've been fighting things in life. I, I speak to somebody right now, maybe it's a backsider. Maybe you've never had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're, you're lost in sin. And every day you wake up, that, that consumption, that addiction has you bound. And you think, you're, I'll never come out of this. I'm even talking to you. Because a Monday could come. Or a Wednesday at about 6 o'clock. And finally, something new just says, I've been fighting this addiction long enough. I've been fighting this stuff long enough. I've been fighting fear long enough. I've been fighting doubt long enough. And you make your way to the house of God on a Wednesday night. And God fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Folks, I'm closing. Here's what I want you to get out of this message tonight. Today is this. That enemy went. He was feared. Even the Philistines stood back. He went in the middle of the valley of Elah. And he stood there and challenged Israel. Send me a man. Is there not a man? And nobody would rise to the occasion. But what God did was he had a young boy in the meanwhile place. Here's what it says to me. You had people on location that would not step to the battle and pray and fight the battle. I'm going to say this. Probably the only, this is what some people would say would be the only negative term. I don't term, I don't mean it negative. But I'm going to say it again to this end time church. For scarcely a righteous man. It shouldn't make you be fearful. Well, God, I'm doing my best now. That's the enemy. Trying to put condemnation on you. You keep doing what you're doing. God's going to honor whatever you do. If you're doing your best, 
then God sees you at your best. Quit letting condemnation and guilt make you feel fearful even of that scripture. Let the scripture be a positive. I've got to keep striving. I can't give up. I can't back up. I can't stop. No, I might not be at my best, but God makes an allotment for me that even when I'm doing my best, His grace will be sufficient and you're going to be okay and you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. So I say in this end time hour, you got Israel that wouldn't move, but you got a David that's hearing the taunts and saying enough is enough. And God says, I've been preparing you in the meanwhile, David. Step to the battle. You're going to win it. You're going to beat this voice that never shuts up. And the end of the story was, David goes back to there, talks to his brother. They ridicule and mock him, say all kind of stuff. Say, go on back. You're just a boy. See, the natural. Get on out of here. You can't fight this battle. You, you ain't skilled enough. I'm telling you, God's going to raise up people in this end time hour to defeat this end time Goliath. That's going to blow circle, or blow past people. That people, I'll use me as an example. Man, I, I study the word of God. I love it. But I believe there's going to be people that's going to blow past me in their knowledge of the word of God. With so much courage and so much uh, just fervency for the things of God. That if you think I'm passionate in the pulpit, I think there's some more coming that's going to be even more passionate than me. I hope there is. I want there to be. Because it'll challenge me. Hey, old boy, you're kind of you, backing off a little bit. You better step up your game and, and be a part of this in the end time. And let's see the victory that God has for his people. So, I say to somebody... You're in the meanwhile, don't give up. I know you're hearing the voices. I know you hear Goliath from the time you get up to the time you go to bed at night telling you the lie. There's nobody can defeat me. I'm telling you there's a God and he's looking for a man and a woman that he could use to defeat this enemy that never tries to cast a cloud of doubt on the people of God. We're victorious. It's a great hour. It's a great hour for the church. It's a great hour to live for God. Now's not the time for you and I to be fearful and want to give up. Now's the time to do everything you can to find God. Worship Him with everything you have in your family. And let's see God bring us a great harvest. Jesus, I pray your blessings on your word. God, I know your word is already anointed. It's already blessed. It's yours. But I'm asking you let it carry such a blessing into the homes of families. And God, they didn't just hear a sermon. They didn't just hear something that could be archived and, 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 and it kind of just filed away. But God, I'm asking you, let the conviction, let the power of your spirit touch our hearts that we see you're looking for somebody and we could be that somebody in this hour. I pray in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you.